This is the podcast at Clark's Room. It's my thoughts on education, technology, leadership, and life. If you like what you're hearing, please take a minute to like, subscribe, and share. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Intro music for Joe Clark. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited for this episode. It's a bonus episode of Clark's Room. Uh, It is not an on-schedule one, but that's okay. I'm with the one and only sound effect machine himself, John Ike. That's uh, John Amanapia to Eddie Campos out there. Nice. So this is a first on so many levels because, one, you're in my bedroom. Awkward. Yeah. Uh, we opened up by saying, uh, I'm in Joe Clark's bedroom. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I've never said that before. It's, uh, it feels good. Yeah. And two, um, we're podcasting. We've done that before, actually. Yeah, once yeah, we, before we have podcasts before. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then three, um, um, you're in my bedroom and we're videotaping this. Super awkward. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and- actually, lay down the setup here, Joe. Uh, you've got a, uh, so we're, we're vlogging and, and podcasting simultaneously. Correct. We've got a microphone in front of each of us. And then is there a separate mic on the camera? There is a little road mic on the camera. Yeah. So are you going to put this all together or just let that mic do its business? I don't know yet. Yeah. I've, yeah. Never, I've never really vlogged. I don't totally a hundred percent get the gig. So I, I don't um, either. I mean, we look good on video. No, we, we I do. Agree. We, yeah, uh, we're yeah. good. Uh, this chair is so big. My feet don't touch the ground. So I feel like I'm you know, like podcasting with Shirley Temple. Hey everybody. Like, I, sorry, I didn't plan that one out very yeah, well. Yeah, I should have it, it's, lower deep. Chair. it's a deep it's a chair. Deep chair. Yeah, yeah. So, chair. so um, um, I've what? never put a vlog out, and I don't know if I'm going to, but I know I can on my website. So I was like, why not give it a shot? Yeah. I mean, I get that. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yes, and you I dig. Do. I dig podcasting, but because I'm always throwing in my earbuds and then you know doing dishes and that yeah. you know, or I'm, I'm rocking in my car. But like, uh, everybody's list, like watching vlogs, and I'm thinking. Are they watching them instead of TV? Is that the jam? Like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just uh, I don't not, know. I did a vlog uh, just on your skateboard. <laughs> skateboard. It was a little bit of a challenge. I don't know if that's gonna keep up. Uh, I'll keep podcasting. You, you need to get a, a little smooth guy. So you yeah, know, yeah, those are cool. Yeah, those so, are cool. So yeah, I don't know. I know my website does a good job at hosting podcasts. It has an option for video. I've never tried it, and I wanted to try it. And I was like, hey, yeah, John's coming over for yeah, dinner. Let's videotape him in my bedroom. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And wear my favorite T-shirt. Yeah, so, yeah everybody look at Joe's website and. You can see my favorite t-shirt. Yeah, it, yeah it's uh, a good stuff. So, uh, this is not really planned. Out. Well, it's actually, it's very planned out because I, I took some time to set yeah, up some microphones. microphones are legit. Yeah. yeah. Um, typically, they're in my closet. But we don't right? have a topic, though. Is, it, is that what you're saying? This is yeah. unplanned. I have a couple questions I typically ask people. I know the answers from you because we talk from okay. time to time. I should ask the question yeah. and you should answer on my behalf. Ooh. You should pretend to be me. I, I can't <laughs> make the sound effects. Idea. Yeah. yeah and I'm not idea. very good with like, I, I can't even do that. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times I talk about people's edu origin story. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I know you've you know told yours numerous times, and I've heard it before, and it's a great story. Um, and then a lot of times I've not asked you this before, um, and we can go anywhere we want to go, right? Yeah. There's no rules. Um, but I love it. I've asked this of uh, you know, I have about eight or nine podcasts scheduled for the summer already already in the can and, and coming out, and I've asked this question of everyone, and I love it. Is if if you could change one big thing about education, so there's no rules, there's no budget constraints, there's no one to say no, like you have the magic wand. Yeah. And you can change one big thing or one small thing that makes a big impact. What would that change be and why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I should have seen that one coming because I've listened to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you think, Not a surprise. You think after hearing that question a bunch of times and hearing other people's answer, yeah. I'd be like, oh, I've got, a, I've got a canned answer. I mean, you said, hey, if there were no rules and no budget, and I think, well, that's what I would change. And no yeah. rules and no <laughs> budget. I, you know, literally look at uh, 
the uh, K-12 system or the PK-12 system, or even the P-20 system uh, in the United States. And I, I'm a little overwhelmed by the amount of um, uh, rigidity and regulation mm-hmm. inside the system. And I, and I say, hey, look, like uh, we go to Costco and there's 23 different types of peanut butter, but there's only one type of K-12 in, in, my, in my city where I live. And that's where I got to go to school and send my kids to school. And I, I just... I, I think reform has to like include options and I'm not all about jumping on the band and we know I've you know I currently operate a, mm-hmm. a really cool charter school and so I love that uh, part of reform but that's I'm not talking about charters as the solution or vouchers as the solution or you know privatization of public education as the solution I'm just thinking that like it doesn't have to be so rigid that gets the, if I can only change one thing of wave the magic wand I would change the rigidity of telling kids they either did or didn't ring the bell. Uh, you know, you either did or didn't meet the mark. There's just so many ways in the natural ecosystem to learn in life. Mm-hmm. Like Everywhere you go, from birth till death, you are learning. And then for like 12 years, though, they cram us in these boxes in these straight rows and be like, oh, no, no, no. The, what the way you're learning doesn't match the way the worksheet says you're supposed to learn. And so now you've you've you re- reached a stamp of invalidity. You're, you're invalid. And, so I think what would I change about education? It would be, I guess, the manner in which we uh, validate learning itself. Yeah. I mean, I would rather just throw everybody into a into a tank and be like, "Hey, g- like, g- go learn, and we'll see what happens." I mean, it couldn't be any worse than the results we're producing now because we know that really uh, the family from whence you come—that's kind of um, it, it typically dictates your outcomes in school. And so I, I don't know. I just think we overthink mm-hmm. and overregulate it over. Um, uh, it's 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 too inflexible. Uh, I see too many kids failing, and I go, but those are smart kids. Those are really smart kids. Why are they getting the rubber stamp of fail? Uh, guys, that was a non-answer, but I just I love my voice. Yeah, so much that's that's impressive that you've learned to answer without answering. It's very, you know, <laughs> no, it's funny because I as you're sitting there talking, I'm I'm sort of listening and then also thinking yeah, of, about <laughs> you know that's what we do. But I think back to my upbringing in, in living in a small town in rural southern Illinois, and my parents own a small, I call it a construction company, but it's more of a handyman. We cut trees, we dug graves. Yeah. Um, and my stepdad, who who never finished, I think, ninth or 10th grade, but you could drive past the house and go, oh, you need 72 square feet of da-da-da-da-da, and, you know, the pitch is 8, 12, and... and, and, and he just knew that, but he knew that from life experience. Yeah. And then at the same time, at 12, I'd get dropped off and, and hey, the inside of this needs to be drywalled. Well, I don't, I've never done, well, I'm figure picking you up out. at noon, figure it out. Yeah. Um, and that was learning probably in the purest form, I would think yeah. almost, right? Well, yeah, and I think, you know, I think, I, and I get it. I'm not criticizing public education because what you're talking somewhat about is project-based learning and that like you got dropped off at 8 a.m. and said, hey, by noon, drywall this room and you just jumped in the project and started learning. And so I get, I get, we can't do that for the, literally you know hundreds of millions of people with yeah. to cram through k-12 every every couple of generations so i get how k-12 has like systematized and standardized this educational process hey i, I got i got 100 kids entering into kindergarten this year and i got five classrooms so i break it up into you know rooms of 22 or whatever it is um and then okay those 22 kids all gotta have something happen for 180 days so we just are forced into standardization and i i hate it mm-hmm. i just it, it drives me bonkers. I don't, I don't, I would much rather drop every 12 year old off in a place and go, go drywall that room. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the um, flexibility there is what we do with that after school time or maybe uh, 
you know, I, I get we have to standardize some part of the learning, but maybe we drop more kids off some, yeah. in, in learning environments and say, hey, go figure this out. Well, it almost gets into the idea of like meta, meta learning, right? like learning how to learn yeah. is probably more important than learning any specific, th- like when we went to school, you had to learn specific things because the thing Google didn't exist. Yeah, right, right, right. And, and now you don't have to learn specific things wow. because you can go find those things. And some people push back and say, well, you need to know certain things. Of course you do. Absolutely. Right? Right, right. But at the same time, if there's information that I'm going to use once every couple of years and I don't have to keep it in my brain because I have limited space, sure. I just have limited recall in space, why waste time knowing that when sure. I can know I can find it out? But I need to know where I'm getting that information from is that good well, information. That- and so you get into the critical thinking and learning that's so cliche, but it's true. It's weird that it's cliche, <laughs> right. but it's super mind blowing because I agree that in today, 2019, and we have to really start to uh, unpack what is it we're trying to learn and why are we trying to learn mm-hmm. it? And I get, I get why the standard developed and I get why we want, uh, you know, uh, uh, English, math, science, social science in the way that we want it. Um, however, in 2019, uh, in the era of information at the, at our fingertips, um, what does, what are we looking for from our K-12? And I love that a lot of us are diving into the SEL, the social mm-hmm. emotional learning, you know, what, what is my self-awareness, social awareness, uh, responsible decision-making, what, what, it's, it's funny to watch us go down this rabbit hole of SEL when we never really killed it in the academic side. We've tried for 100 years now in public education yeah, to try and get math, nah. science, English, and social science nailed. And they're like, eh, we didn't nail it, but let's go on to this other thing and try and make really good people, uh, which I, I almost like that better because it at least honors um, the uh, the variety of people in our room, right? Yeah. The individuality, the personalization. But uh, I, it's interesting. You talk about being able to Google information. I wonder what it is we're trying to accomplish in school today uh, when we're trying to produce, you know, inspiring human beings who come out of our system. Uh, what does that look like today uh, versus 100 years ago? What's interesting, though, those inspiring human beings that come out of our system are the outliers. They're like, oh, my gosh, you got to see this one kid. Right. Just unbelievable. And you're like, why are we only talking about one kid? Yeah. Like, what is going on? Because every parent, I mean, you have kids, I have kids. Yeah, you think, yeah. I mean, I think my kids are mine amazing. Are, mine are the ones. Mine's right? <laughs> um, but at the same time, they're just another student in a classroom. And they go to an amazing school and have amazing teachers, but they're still just another student in another classroom. And you're like, if they break out and become that one student that goes to this one school and does this one amazing thing, they're this huge outlier. But like everyone has, like I believe firmly, you know, the whole idea of growth mindset, once once again, super cliche, right? Like growth mindset, haven't done it yet. We all have capabilities and potential. They're all different, but we still have those capabilities to do amazing things. It's whether or not we do them or we get beaten down and just kind of go, ah, middle management, not too bad. Right. I don't have to work that hard and I can have a pretty good life. Yeah. Well, it is interesting as you, as you lay that down, because you talk, talk about growth mindset as an outcome of school, as opposed to a prerequisite of school. Now that would be fascinating, you Mm -hmm. know, rather than saying, Hey, if you, if you have a growth mindset, you're going to do well in school. Um, if you have a fixed mindset, you're probably not going to do as well in school. Uh, I would love to flip that and be like, Hey, come to school. We'll build you a growth mindset, and then you'll do well wherever you go from here. That's that would really be the goal. That's that, that would well, be an amazing place. But that's not what the curriculum. No, says. no, no. The curriculum says in 180 days, learn to you know learn these 20, yeah. 122 standards, uh, and if you if you get 80 percent of them, you'll, you'll pass the test. Like, 
Uh, I don't think that the school is about creating growth mindset. Uh, it's about, you know, checking a bunch of boxes that say, hey, I did learn this and I did learn It's kind of compliance-based a little I, bit. It, it, it is, and, and, I, and, and, I'll, and I know people will push back, but I will allow that some of the compliance is good. Like, I am glad that I checked the box on learning phonics and then uh, learning yeah. to, uh, reading comprehension and then and, and which I know it's not common core but math facts I'm glad I learned that sure. like I, I love uh, that I can add without taking my shoes off yeah <laughs> sometimes I've seen you actually yeah flip flops, flops. yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> Flip -flops, so uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just I, I, it is it is interesting uh, when we talk about what we're trying to do in K twelve education and what are we trying to produce and we're, if we're trying to produce inspiring human beings and as you said those is really inspiring ones are the outliers that what's happening to the rest of us uh, are we just ringing the bell and the bell is some compliance of learning some uh, usable skills but are they really the skills that'll make you uh, you know feel whole in life I don't I don't think so I think. Boy, if you could write that curriculum K-12 to say, hey, what you're going to leave here with are some basic, you know, legit skills. But to leave here with a growth mindset, well, then you can go out and do anything. Well, and I, I don't think I, I who am I? But I don't think it's that complex either that um, one, you know, and I have a, a daughter that freaks out when she doesn't have a 97.8 percent or whatever that it's not a safe place to fail. The only way you learn growth mindset is by failing a whole bunch. Right. The only way it's not right. real complex. Right. You got to fail a lot and be like, ah, well, let's try, try number 532. I'm going to get it. Right. Um, without major consequence. Like I go back to that drywall. I could, I vividly remember the house and it was, it was in Benelled, Illinois is a town two miles away. This old house they bought and we had to rip out lats and I had a drywall and there was an arch window and I never done an arch window before with drywall. And there's like three different techniques I'd seen people do. Uh, one of them, you soak it in water. I didn't have water. I couldn't do that. And the other one you score the back and I, I had to do it like five times. And that maybe cost $3 in drywall cause it was a small piece. So yeah. there wasn't a big, yeah issue if I didn't do it right. And if it looked really bad, I knew my stepdad would come in and redo it anyway. <laughs> right. And you're mudding over it. So there's someone going to come make it look pretty. Sure. So there was no fear of like, if I don't do this right, the world's going to end. Yeah. Well, we have students now that if they don't get it, you know, they want to do a retake after getting a 95% right. because they think the world's going to end. So there's, that's very telling for and me, I guess. Yeah. Where, and you know, I mean, I, I don't know how long we want to go into this, man, but like, where does that come from? Where? How have we how have we arrived here, or has it always been here? Um, I I don't know. I don't know either. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, part of it is I think to combat this, uh, you would have to start with a grading system from you know from day one, right? Yeah. From kindergarten on up, you have to change the grading system. Be like, hey, we're not trying to achievement isn't marked in this particular grading structure, so the kids are trying to all meet the same uh, outcome of like this letter grade, this A or this 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to change your structure. I mean, is that what it is? Uh, or, or is it implicitly uh, you know, part of the way we communicate with one another? Somebody does something really well and we go, oh, great job! And somebody does something kind of half-assed and we go, eh, try it again. And just that alone maybe starts to train yeah. us to be like, oh, I want the good job. I want the kudos. I want the attaboy. Um, no, we want people to do a great job. So, so then how do you create growth mindset without pressuring ourselves? It's, it's hard because even going back to my own daughter, you know, I being an educator, I'm pretty attuned to it. And I'd be the one to be like, I don't, what do I always say? And you'll be like, you don't care what a grade is. You care if we learn it. Right, like, right. and it's like, I care less if you get an A or a B or a C, right. you know, and if you get an F, that means we got some work to do together as a team. Right. You know, kind of thing. 
so it's not I don't but I don't know if it's innate in her personality or if it's she's been in the system for eight nine years so she knows how to play the game right, right. so I, I don't know where that comes it could be personality based for some people I think some people know how to play the game and know what they need to do um, but at the same time when you get on that plane or you have that doctor you we want the doctor that gets 100%. That's right. right? So well, I, don't, I don't know. Right, right. Like, I don't want the pilot right. that got straight C's through pilot school. Totally. And then we right. hit some turbulence and they're like, well, I don't, yeah. I think this might work. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I'm always like, oh, I don't, grades are stupid. The grading system is broken. But yeah, which pilot do you want? Well, I want the straight A one because even if the system is broken, I know that, that one. You and know, I don't know if shift. they get A's or if they meet or just don't meet. I don't even I don't know. know. But but I like know. I know doctors, like I want the one that gets it right more. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. so it does matter. Oh yeah. Um, so there's a there's a point where it flips, I guess. Um, yeah, and I don't know when that is. I I know you know I I teach at, at the master's level, and what's interesting, you know, they say we we don't do mastery grading in the way k-12 does they say you know their first attempt at a paper should be mastery so you're not going to regrading feedback is just after the fact there's no redoing your first attempt should be your best attempt right it's at, at a master's level sure, sure. and i get that right like you know students ask for feedback and i'm like well i'm not actually supposed to grade anything but you know if you have some questions i can answer it where mastery level in middle school is turn it you know try it until you get it sure until and you so so it. so now you have two words in two different areas in education that mean the complete opposite yeah it's yeah. fascinating it is fascinating you know i'm in my doctoral program right now get my doctorate in educational leadership and you know it's funny because i, t I talk about grading in my day job in the k-12 world and then i go into the doctorate program and i watch the way uh formative feedback is used and summative uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh feedback is is, is created and I, and, and I and i go oh i look at the at the higher ed system uh not to badmouth my higher ed friends but like I, I feel like they're behind the times. I feel like they're still living in a, in kind of an older world where it, it was mastery is yeah. well, you turn in your best chance and that you get no re retakes. Um, I kind of like the idea that we have in K twelve where it's like, hey, it's about formative feedback. It's about growing. It's about learning. I mean, I, I feel like when I would ask, how much is that in the nine twelve space? Because I know I'm in a K space and you're in a K space, yeah. and, and some feedback we're getting from the high school district where our students are going is. Uh, their assessments aren't a hundred percent accurate of what they can do because they're giving multiple chances. Yeah. And so it's, I, I would say, you know, higher ed, I agree a thousand percent with you. I don't know how much nine twelve has actually yeah, changed. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good um, point. I think K eight because that K six at elementary has yeah. moved up to eight, right? Yeah. It kind of is all feeling like it's happening. I know, man, almost every district in the area we're in is, is moving over to standards based grading yeah. all at the same time. I know at least four of them that are right. I don't know what the high school is going to do with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. High schools have a really hard time going standards-based grading, but I don't think, uh, uh, pedagogically, I think that the high school teacher who doesn't use formative feedback prior to giving the yeah. summative assessment is kind of uh, a little outdated. I yeah. Mean, you, everybody's doing some form of formative feedback prior to giving the assessment. So, I mean, I mean, I watch my son who's in high school. He's going to a great little high school, you know, and, and uh, certainly I don't think they're, you know, knocking out of the park with grading practices, but I do look at like, yeah, I get it. We took some quizzes before we took the big test. Yeah. I get it, right? Uh, so, so at least it's it's not standards based grading, but it certainly is the the juxtaposition between formative and summative. It's Whereas almost I feel like at the college yeah. level, it's all summative, man. It's almost like that that curve is backwards. Like you would think, if you get higher up in learning, there would be more chance to learn because at a harder. higher rate. Yeah, because right? it's harder stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it almost seems like it's a back it's backwards a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
it's just and, fascinating. And on that same note, I mean, you are paying for it. Like you're paying a ton of money. Give me more information. <laughs> you're paying a ton of money to go to a place that's like you get one chance and then you're out. I mean, my program, my doctorate, I'm in Sac State. Uh, it's a great program, but they're like, yeah, you know, you can't get you you, you can't get less than a B because you do. You're out of the program. I'm like. Well, how many less than B's? Like, no, 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 one. You get like a C, you're done. <laughs> I'm like, really? I'm paying you. It's like eighteen thousand yeah. dollars a year, uh, and they're like, you're gonna see you. You're gone. I'm, you're terrible. Leave us. <laughs> this is, can I get a refund? No. Uh, yeah, no refunds. That's not so, happening. Yeah, so it is a kind of a backwards paradigm, right? You know. That's uh, so funny. Um, so here's another question. I just thought of this. Um, you know, I I'm one that I think I appreciate grinding, right? I, I think as educators, you have to grind. You have to grind hard. Um, and, and I try not to complain to other people about it cause I've chosen this profession, totally. right? And like, that's part of the game. If you wanted it right, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta grind. Right. Um, uh, you're one that, that works a lot and grinds hard. Yeah. Um, and you do a little bit, you know, you I got, you got, you, you got a few different podcasts and now a vlog on a skateboard and you're going to school and, and totally. you're essentially a superintendent of a small yeah. little, you know, environment. Um, and people always are worried about burnout and I know it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. I've not one that's ever struggled with burnout. Um, I don't know why I just, it's Coffee. not, yeah, maybe. Um, but what keeps your motor going? Cause you grind a lot. Like yeah. you hustle. Um, and it doesn't seem like you burn out. Um, and I know some people, and this is not a judgment on people that yeah, need no. the downtime, yeah. right? It's just different. Yeah, I'm broken, man. I, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm a, I'm a broken <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as you started yeah. saying, I'm like, yeah, that's right. So I got my Learn with John Ike podcast. I got my Virtual Leadership Academy podcast, where I kind of created a space with Luke Machado to talk about like Ed leadership because I'm in my doctorate and we're doing some cool stuff on that. Can, podcast. can we do a quick side out on Luke's hair? Like seriously, I'm just, like, it's amazing. Yes, he's good. Like, like he's ridiculous. Like, I'm, I'm not happy about yeah, him and his yeah. hair. It's, it's gorgeous. I'll let him know. I'm gonna be podcasting with him on Monday. I'll okay. Let him know yeah, that like, like ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, it's great. Oh, right, so uh, yeah, I've got those two podcasts. I've got my doctorate. Uh, uh, that I'm working on. I'm the superintendent of a K-8 organization. I have a wonderful wife and three kids. Um, yeah, I'm I, I'm a busy guy. I, I gotta tell you though, like, I was telling Luke because we've just started off this whole virtual leadership yep. thing. You know. I've listened. Yeah, uh, it's and, good. And we we've kind of got this long range plan of like, hey, like to, to open up a space to talk about Ed leadership, and it's starting off kind of slow. We've got like five podcasts or seven podcasts out right now, um, and you know how it is. You kind of start off slow and ramp up, and I'm like, hey, Luke. I love I love the long slow hustle. I love yeah. the slow grind. I love long term like long term achievement. It's just something that's always kind of uh, fueled me. I remember when I got a you know high school. I was an awful high school student. I barely scraped out. And I remember saying, okay, well, I'm gonna get this two year degree. And I got that done. And I said, I'm gonna get a four year degree. I got that done. I'm gonna get a master's degree. You know, I remember like everything I did. I set off in like two and four year increments. And so I learned to kind of love the long game. Mm -hmm. And I think in my job, um, I work like tail off man i mean i am there uh you know 223 days a year i worked like 65 nights last year i, I see your car there a lot because I, I drive by yeah, so i know I, you're, you're there a lot but but so i love and i love the hustle all day and i love what i do and i love working with uh educators and kids and families i dig that part but you know the truth is what, what keeps my motor uh, uh burning is um i love the long 
the long game. I love setting my sights on something that's like two or three years away and, be, and then stretching the rubber band that yeah. direction and making one little incremental step toward it. Oh, another incremental step toward it. Oh, another incremental step toward it. And before long, you're like, oh, dude, like I'm halfway there. I love that. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of keeps me going. The reason I don't burn out is because I don't look at one year increments or I don't look at one month or one project that everything's kind of a long, slow grind. I keep telling people like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing my doctorate. And like, Oh my gosh, how long is that? I'm like, oh, it's the perfect amount of time. It's three years. Yeah. Like three years. Right in the middle of two and four. Yeah, it's right in the middle of two and four. (laughs) Like I love a three-year opportunity to do something for three years is like the perfect amount of time. And so, uh, and everybody's like, oh, it's so long. I'm like, really, is it? Can I open it? I'm going to live to 90. Yeah. You know, I'm not even 50 yet. So like, I got lots of time. I got lots of three-year goals in me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I guess that's what kind of what, what, that's what I look at a lot of times when I start to feel the burn of like, oh my gosh, am I doing too much? I'm like, well, just do whatever you need to do today and then, um, uh, uh, you, you know, um, do it again tomorrow and then the next day. Uh, yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question now uh, because we got to be wrapping this thing up pretty quick. Yeah, and I, I got to put tri-tip on. Yeah, we got to cook. We can get him over here for dinner. Uh, uh, let me ask you a question and it is this. Um, so... Everybody starts their edu origin story, you know, from the bottom, it works their way to the top and yada, yada, yada. You end up wherever you end up based on the journey that you're on. And you've had a cool journey. I love jamming with you. You and I are good friends. But I guess I I look at you and I go, okay, Joe Clark, uh, I think you're about as smart as a guy can be in this in this gig. You're the, the craziest user of data of anybody I've ever known. Uh, like you literally would nerd out in front of a data screen for seven months and not even leave the room. Uh, But what is it? What is it? What is it for you uh, in this edu leadership kick? Why in the world? What what makes your heart tick? What makes you tick around edu? Why not be in the classroom? Why not, uh, I don't know, why not be at the district office in a closet looking at data? Like, why are you at the site leadership level? What's in it for you? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I think there's a couple things. One, like, I... I I was a career tech ed teacher, multimedia production, audio kind of stuff, right? And that was fun and would have been great to do that for 30 years, right? Because it wasn't, you know, you're in your class, no one messes with you, right? Right? It's one of those things, there's not standardized tests for you, you know, as long as you help out, you know, giving breaks when people are testing, like, it was a good gig. Um, I, I was just okay at it. I was not a great teacher and I knew it, right? Like. I did it for a few few enough years, you know, three years here in Vacaville, three years at Rioland High, a couple years with the county. Um, I connected great with kids. I had no classroom management issues, but as far as like hardcore teaching pedagogy, I think I was just good. Mm. I wasn't great. And I knew that like, you know, when you realize something, you're like, oh, yeah. like, okay, I see that. And that, that didn't sit well with me. Um, but two, I'm a big believer in, you know, you lead and you, and you help people through service, right? Like I, I, the idea of servant leadership is something that um, is really to the core of who I am. That's I think if, if you, if you want to be a leader, you don't have to say, "Oh, I'll lead people." Just serve them, and you're leading them. Yeah. And usually, you know, I, I love the idea of the reluctant leader, someone who's like, "I don't really want to take over, but if it needs to get done, I'll do it." Right? right? Like I like that idea. Um, and so I've been happy in the role I'm in because you know, as an assistant or vice principal, whatever term people use, you, you got to do a lot of stuff. And, you know, I'm a little ADD. So if it's, you know, so you go from changing a projector bulb to mopping, to getting in a bucket, to 
talking with three students who just gotten a, a, you know, a disagreement because they're girls and there's drama going on. And then you have to go, you know, observe a teacher and give them feedback. So there's a lot going on. So that fits my, my personality. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I love the analogy of a net. Like we all have a net. We're, we're, you know, I'm not, a fi I don't fish, but you people fish with nets and you cast your net of influence and, um, you know, as a teacher, you, you influence, you know, at the high school level, what, 170, 180 kids, somewhere around there, you know, 200, sure. 210, at the, you know, PE teacher, 250. Um, but as an administrator at the site level, your net gets bigger. Um, and so your sphere of influence, your net of influence um, gets bigger. And so, you know, you can help more people. Now, um, do I have as tight of a bond with students as I had as a teacher? No. But I think, you know, students I connect with are ones that, you know, need more consistent relationship with adults. Because obviously, as, as, you know, as the disciplinarian, as an assistant principal, you have to spend a lot of time with the students no one wants to spend a lot of time with. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you could, you could pick the, the student that was my top flyer, you know, in my last, this last year. And as hard as that student was and as much as that student... I think believe they hated me. I don't think they truly did. Um, I wish nothing but success for that student and that yeah. success is in that student. I don't think it's going to happen in the K-12 system because um, not just the system choices that students making, you know, you can't tell multiple adults to go F off and, you know, try to hit it. Like that can't yeah. end well, but at the same time, there's success in that student still. Right. And so my hope is, you know, when I worked uh, for SCOE at their, their locked youth facility for a while, that, you know, you see those students 10 or 20 years down the road and you just don't know. It could have been one thing you said to them that you don't even remember, right? That that changed their life forever and you just don't know. So I guess, I, I don't know if I answered it or, or, or talked around it, but, you know, getting that net a little bit bigger. Um, and then right now I, I'm definitely happy in the, in the space I fill and um, I know I'll probably have to fill a different space at some point, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try spaces that are are you know I, if I'm a square peg I want to be in a square hole. Sure. Because we all know in education a, a teacher that's not a very good teacher is probably just in the wrong grade or in the wrong class or at the wrong site. It's all yeah, yeah. fit. Um, and so I don't know. I, I guess I, enlarging my net. Yeah. is a big deal and then and finding places to serve and help yeah I mean, um, and i, I and i want to enjoy get, it right and i get that i mean i definitely watched you work and get that vibe that you are out there to serve and it's interesting when you talk about serving and and casting a wider net i mean in some respects you're casting a very specific net where you are now you are serving children who are hard to serve mm -hmm. and uh doing a good job at it and so yeah and, and those kids deserve somebody like you who's going to hold them accountable but also uh you know find the success in them so i I think it's cool. I mean, I think you can make a, a, a difference uh, in that position for a kid who may not get it in the classroom, but no. may, may, may get it somewhere and else. You know, it's funny when you talk about data. I do love data and I use it a lot, but at the same time, um, the more I look at it and the more I use it, the less importance I put on it. Mm, interesting. Um, because it's very important to you. I, I mean, it's important to have and it's important because we're, we're looking at milestones and looking at improvement. And the only way to improve systems is to track things. Sure. But at the same time, I would throw all those away for a 20 minute conversation, conversation with the yeah. student that yeah. that typically wouldn't have that conversation sure. with me. If that student like opened up that that's worth its weight in gold. You know, I was talking with uh, uh, someone, uh, Keith, he's uh, he works for Otis back in Chicago and he's you know, they're uh, 
they're an app provider for education, right? That's what that's what their company is. They create a, a like a learning management system. And he said, you know, um, we love our product, but if a kid's having a bad day, go talk to them. Right. There's right. no app. There's no software that's going to tell you what to do with that kid. Yeah. Sit down and talk to them. Yeah. Figure out what's why they're having a bad day, and then try to fix it. Well, isn't that the original source of data? I mean, isn't isn't that isn't that yeah. data prior to the data system? I mean, data yeah. data can be qualitative or quantitative. What you're describing is qualitative yeah. data. I spoke with another human being today, yeah. and my experience was blank. Yeah. I mean, that's great. That is totally data. Yeah, yeah, and that is the most important data, yeah. right? All right, so we need, we need to get out of here, but if people want to follow you or pick up on your podcast or the new podcast, where can they get all yeah, that good yeah, jam? Just come check me out. I'm, I'm on the Twitters, at John underscore Ike. Uh, my Learn With John Ike podcast it, is at, you know, uh, 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 learnwithjohnike.com and my new space for educational leaders if you're looking for a space to you know talk about educational leadership uh, go to virtualleadershipacademy.com or you can check us on the Twitters at vertleadacademy uh, yeah it's just kind of a, a cool couple spots there uh, I'll definitely be following Joe Clark and uh, retweeting what he's tweeting so if you just follow him you're bound to bump into me alright well have a good evening thanks Joe yep Thank you again for tuning into the podcast at Clark's Room. I do appreciate you spending a few minutes of your day with me. If you like what you hear, don't forget to share, subscribe, and like through your favorite podcast provider. If you want to find more information about Clark's Room, you can go to clarksroom.com, find me on Twitter at Clark's Room, or visit the new Patreon site, patreon.com slash clarksroom.